Hi there, this is Rob Carmichael and welcome to another Business Mainly Matters. Really excited. Today we're going to be discussing another uh, topic around entrepreneurship and the challenges of creating a successful and long-lasting business. You may remember if you followed me in my first podcast back in January, I discussed entrepreneurship with my son Bobby who had started his own business, Cadeo Group, several years ago. And today, I, I want to continue that theme with another outstanding entrepreneur, the owner and founder of the Main Strong Balance Center, a doctor of physical therapy, Jason Nador. Jason, welcome. Hey, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's, uh, this is another another example, and, I, and I, I think it's interesting because I think you and my son are really close in, in age. And you both have gone out on your own, uh, which uh, we all know. We'll talk a little bit about the risks of starting your own businesses and and uh, in the country and some of the statistics around that. But uh, I, I just I'm just so uh, uh, amazed at at the courage and the uh, the strength that it takes to to do this. And and you've uh, you've been in the business. Uh, I, we'll talk about the the time length, but just a few years now, and things are. Are going well on the rise, and and we want to learn more. I think today for our listeners, learn about one about how you got into it. One, uh, two, uh, what physical therapy? Uh, you know, we we all have our own perspective. I think on what this physical therapy is, but we want to dig a little deeper into what you actually do at the uh, the main uh, the main uh, balance center, main strong balance center, and then also some of the challenges and how you've uh, how you've dealt with those going forward, and then then the outlook for physical therapy uh, down the road and your company and how that uh, how that looks in, into the future. Just uh, maybe at the beginning, we can start with with how you got... Uh, let's talk, first of all, a little bit about uh, your solid background, your family. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, Jason? Yeah, I'd be glad. I'd be really glad to. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up in upstate New York, which is has a lot of similarities with Maine in terms of good people and really valuing, you know, outdoor spaces. Um, and then I moved to Boston and went to Northeastern University for my bachelor's. Um, and I actually ended up with a bachelor's of arts in English, um, which there was a time I thought that was a really lousy <laughs> way to get into medicine. But in retrospect, you know, I think there's so much to know in medicine, whether you're a physical therapist or a physician, um, that a lot of medicine, you know, these days is about being able to kind of access the literature and sort of be able to deconstruct that and get to the thesis of what um, is new, um, as opposed to having everything in your head that I think it's actually served me, served me really well. Um, <clears throat> and then I went to... Um, grad school where I got my doctorate of physical therapy uh, in Boston. I went to the MGH Institute of Health Professions, um, which is a really, you know, lucky to go there. It's a top-notch PT school hooked up with all these great Boston institutions. Um, and when I was there, I met a wonderful <laughs> woman uh, from Maine who's now my wife um, and, uh, you know, couldn't be happier to sort of move to Maine with, um, my wonderful wife, her extended family in the area. And we've got two little kids now who are uh, six and four. Um, so that's kind of the context of, uh, how I came to the area and sort of my background from an educational standpoint. Um, and the balance center was kind of born, born from there. You, uh, you married a great Maine girl, 
That's the, we like to hear that. That's a great connection that brought you into the state of Maine, and we're thankful for Emily for doing that, uh, <laughs> being one of the catalysts there. Maybe. Uh, oh boy, am I lucky for sure. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you you decided on PT, was there something in particular that drew you? You mentioned the medical profession, some of the things around that, but what drew you to physical therapy? Uh, you know, I think physical therapy is just sort of this really unique opportunity to help people. So I think, I think when people go into healthcare, uh, you know, I speak for myself, but I do think we can generalize a bit that you really, you want to do something to help people. Um, and if you're a physician or if you're a nurse or if you're a pharmacist, your time is really limited. Um, and what I found when I was kind of exploring the different options is that a physical therapist is someone that in the healthcare profession gets the most time with the patient. Um, and as a result, you can really kind of make a connection, become something that, you know, a real sort of factor in their lives. Um, so it really came down to sort of being able to spend time with people. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, the, 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 the idea of using exercise as medicine um, is something that was really attractive to me as well, just from sort of a low intervention standpoint, um, as opposed to medications or something else, or, or maybe in addition to, you know. Had, had you looked into, you know, I, I was reading some statistics about the physical therapy profession and, and certainly the job prospects over the next decade look very, very promising. And when you got out and you started in that, uh, were you looking in that at, at that as, as one of the reasons or was it just the, the love of it? I see where they're looking for physical therapists to grow about 21% faster than the average job or profession over the next decade with with plenty of employment opportunities. Was that part of your uh, decision? You know, for me, I really can't say that it was, you know, I, I kind of got lucky, which has been, you know, that's a theme <laughs> in general. Sometimes, you know, you're going to get lucky sometimes. Uh, but for me, it was more just kind of the, the, the interest more so than um, the foresight there. Although that's been a, a happy accident, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and why do you, do, the need for, for, Physical therapists, as I mentioned, it's growing significantly over the next decade and going to continue in that direction. What's driving that that need? Well, you know, when I was, you know, when I was looking at um, locations, like where did I want to open my first practice? You know, one of the pieces of advice I got is you should look where where are people going. You know, so if you have a town that's growing in size versus a town that's more static, um, potentially that's a good opportunity to add a new business, you know, as opposed to sort of whatever existing businesses might be there. And with the balance setter, you know, our main, we've got two sort of main clientels, but one of them is older adults. And if you look at older adults, certainly in Maine, but I would say, you know, across the country generally with baby boomers, but I'll, I'll stick to Maine specifically, you know, we're in this doubling event where between 2010 and 2030, we're kind of right in the middle of it. There's twice as many people that are 65 uh, plus. So the idea is, is that sort of as the population ages, the need for healthcare goes up uh, and balance specifically is kind of a, a large need for that group, which is, you know, again, why the balance center came into existence. So my, you know, my sense of it is, is that um, as the population ages in the state, there's more need for people like me to 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 make the aging process more fun. <laughs> it, that's and that that fits with I think Maine is considered one of the oldest states in the nation by by uh, demographic, and and possibly that uh, uh, well obviously that that lined up well with 
with uh, part of your decision to come come to Maine, and it it appears that uh, that's that's certainly one of the reasons the aging workforce, you know, why we need uh, or why the PT profession is growing, and other medical professions like that, the aging workforce, uh, you know, the the uh, certainly there are opportunities as you know for career growth and the ability to make a positive impact, all those sorts of things probably play a role. When we talk about physical therapists, we may assume, the, the layperson may assume that we know what you do, and we're going to get into some specific things that you do at the Main Strong Balance Center, but just in general, could you describe a little bit about the PT profession and, and what what you do? You know, I think I think that's a really good question because even professionally, sometimes we have conversations about this in terms of, you know, when someone's been to physical therapy, they know exactly what a physical therapist <laughs> does. But if you've been fortunate enough to stay away, it's a little unclear. So, you know, the general idea is we use exercise as medicine. So, <clears throat> for example, if someone's in pain, um, they might come into a physical therapist and the physical therapist will evaluate, you know, what does someone's flexibility look like? What's their strength look like? Um, what modalities do we have like massage or dry needling um, that might be able to sort of help with that? Um, and you kind of make a diagnosis based on impairments. So in other words, where's someone tight, where's someone weak, um, what can we do? And then you prescribe interventions. And a lot of times it's not rocket science. I mean, you can use the internet to kind of figure out, you know, how to stretch your hamstrings if you, <laughs> you know, if you're sore or something like that. But the real key is sort of what is the dosage? You know, how hard should I stretch it? How long should I stretch it? When should I rest it versus when should I stretch it? Um, so basically, I think where we fit into the healthcare system is people who are experts in sort of what types and what dosage of exercise to use to traditionally help with pain um, and with sort of post-surgical needs. And then, you know, we can talk about the balance center um, whenever you're sort of ready to go there. But I think, you know, the the balance center specifically, we built this place to sort of be a little bit different than that traditional model where our real expertise and wheelhouse is balance. So using exercise to sort of treat balance. And I, and I think that's uh, when I, when I saw that and I saw your, your name and certainly talked to uh, uh, John a little bit about what, what you do, that was what really struck me. I hadn't, uh, hadn't seen that much. I've been to a physical therapist a few times, hadn't really focused on, on that part of it before when, uh, when, when you're talking about balance. Well, let's, let's dive into uh, the main Strong Balance Center, kind of uh, from the beginning, again, we're talking about entrepreneurship. Can you kind of describe that initial thought you had, the, the vision you had for, and then, and then take us into the Strong Balance Center and into where you are today? Sure. So, you know, as I've worked in a physical therapist in quite a few different settings and from sort of a, a reward standpoint, I've always found working on balance to be the most rewarding. So as an example, when I've worked in sports medicine and let's say I helped a high school athlete who sprained their ankle get back to football, um, you know, obviously that's really a wonderful, meaningful thing. But if you put that on the scale with someone else who's maybe getting older and um, having some difficulty with their balance and they're questioning, can they make the trip to the airport to go see their grandkids or, you know, something, something similar to that. And you can use exercise to transform their life so that they can do that. 
that feels really <laughs> special. So I think the genesis was, you know, selfishly, honestly, sort of really enjoying that type of work. Um, and then when I put my sort of business hat on, um, like you say, PT is tri- typically set up to help with pain and post-surgical needs. Um, there's really not clinics that are sort of, with, there's a few exceptions in different places in the country, but certainly in Maine, there's not clinics that are just sort of focusing on this. And I said, gee, this is something I'm clinically interested in. Um, as we talked about, Maine's getting older. So there's a, you know, there's a real growth in the space of people who need balance help. The statistics on balance are really incredible. So if you're over 65 years of age, you've got a one in four chance of falling each year. And if you're over 80, you've got a one in two chance. So in other words, it's kind of a universal issue. And I'm on a soapbox here, but I've got a little bit more about sort of the financial cost of it. You know, balance uh, nationally, if someone uh, each year annually, the CDC tracks uh, data on this, it's a uh, falls cost uh, fifty billion dollars a year annually, and in Maine specifically, because they they collect it by state, the figure is two hundred fifty five million dollars a year. Wow! Um, and from an evidence based treatment standpoint, what we can reproduce at the Balance Center, if you're really you know if you know what you're doing in this space, um, you can reduce someone's fall risk by somewhere between twenty five to forty percent. So that's kind of the that's what the physical therapy literature says. And then we track our own data and we, we can usually outperform that, but that's about where we fall as well. So if you do the math on that, there's about an $85 million sort of savings just in the state of Maine, if, if everybody's sort of, you know, participating in this type of thing. So the, the genesis was kind of a love of the work and then looking at the landscape and realizing, gee, why aren't we just sort of focusing on this? Balance is so foundational to health, especially as we age. Um, let's create a business, let's create a healthcare entity that just does a beautiful job with this. Um, and I'm really, you know, humbly proud to say that we've, we've done it. So now kind of fast forwarding to today, the balance center is a, a, you know, outpatient physical therapy clinic in Scarborough. Um, we've got 11 physical therapists and then seven support staff. So there's 18 of us total. Um, and then we're opening two additional locations in 2022. We've got one in Saco, Maine, and then um, excited about one in uh, South Portland, Maine, uh, in, in uh, Basics Fitness, which is this really great gym uh, in South Portland. Um, so we, you know, we 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 did it in Scarborough, and we're really looking forward to um, you know uh, bringing our services uh, further across the state. So it, it, it the, the whole thing about balance, and I, I consider myself, well, I used to consider myself, let me, let me put it that way. I used to consider myself a decent athlete <laughs> and, and I have, and I've stayed in pretty good shape and I've noticed certainly over the, the last number of years, you know, a little bit uh, off in, in my balance and coordination. And I, you know, I don't know if that's solely due to the aging process or just uh, doing different things, but it, it certainly makes a lot of sense. The statistics you, you shared and, and the practical experience you have with that, it makes a lot of sense that uh, you know, this niche that you created it, it certainly has a, a real relevancy in, in the state of Maine in particular and across the country. And you also sure. list on the website, so you list Four types of services. You list balanced physical therapy, neurological physical therapy, aquatic physical therapy, and a cancer and physical therapy. And I know, I believe that the, the facility you have a pool is part of it. Is that correct? 
That's correct. Yes. You talk a little bit about those those other uh, aspects of uh, what what your services are. Sure. So, you know, underneath the umbrella of balance, there's a whole lot of diverse folks whose needs are not kind of sort of being met <laughs> typically in the healthcare system or could be met better. So when I say balanced physical therapy, really think of sort of, you know, aging with balance related changes. And, you know, I know we're kind of talking business, but boy, I'd be happy to talk about <laughs> all sorts of medical pieces related to that too. The, the neurological physical therapy, I would say, is our second biggest bucket of care. <clears throat> so the neuro-PT basically means anybody with a brain injury or stroke, Parkinson's disease, MS, or just kind of diabetic neuropathy, um, any issues that involve the brain or the nerves, um, they can have a profound impact on balance, of course. So, you know, a big group of folks that we help is um, people living with those conditions. And the other sort of novel thing that we've developed, I would say, in addition to sort of a clinic that's focusing on balance, um, is what we're looking at is sort of like a dental model or a primary care model of care uh, from the physical therapist standpoint. So what I mean by that is if someone's living with a you know brain injury, let's say, um, a lot of times your physical therapy will last a few weeks or a few months, and then because of insurance, you've got to stop. Well, that person's brain injury doesn't go away. And one of the best things that we can do within the restraints of the insurance system is have someone come back at standard time. So maybe come back again at six months, come back again in a year. And we put them through a battery of tests. You know, we liken it to maybe like a blood work where um, the physician's measuring cholesterol and blood sugar. Well, we're measuring aerobic capacity and balance and strength. Um, and then we're kind of able to see how someone's doing. If they're doing really well, great, carry on, come see us in six months. Um, or if anything's up, we can say, gee, hold on a second, let's do, you know, your balance scores are down or your walking is down and let's kind of invest in that. So the balance and the neuro are really sort of our um, real kind of niches. And then the pool is just such an awesome modality. We do balance training in there, but we also do all sorts of orthopedic work in there as well. It's a really great mode for backs. Um, and it's just a unique mode of exercise that opens up a lot of treatment doors for us. Um, and the cancer piece of it, you know, uh, again, it's kind of folks living on different levels of survivorship with cancer. Um, there's just not traditionally a physical therapist at the table. And basically what we're trying to communicate is, listen, some of these chemotherapy agents can be ototoxic, which means they're really bad for your inner ear vestibular balance system. We know how to help you with that. And we're here if you need us. So, you know, it's basically about kind of what are these passions that we have clinically? And then where are these unmet needs uh, from a human standpoint? And then in connecting them, it's been really good for business in that um, we're just tapping into these folks who haven't traditionally been served. That's that's amazing. And it, I would I would guess that part of cancer treatments, when we're talking about chemotherapy and some of the side effects of that can be neuropathy. And I, I'm guessing that that can affect balance and and, and all of those sorts of things that goes with that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, when we when we talked about uh, at the beginning, I mentioned you know, the challenges of of new businesses, and you certainly. So, what was the? How long has it been now? Three years? Has it been three years? Or it's going to be four in the spring. So four in the spring already. Coming up on four. So it's you know. You've caught me at an interesting time because I've learned just enough to have a lot to say, and I've got a whole lot more to learn, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
For almost four years into it, and considering what you've had to deal with, and we'll talk about that in a second with the the pandemic and everything that's gone along with that, it's affected you know all businesses. But you know, as I mentioned uh, previously in one of my podcasts, studies have shown that uh, failure rate of startups is is been somewhere around ninety percent in in two thousand nineteen. Uh, that was the, one of the latest statistics. Twenty one point five percent of startups fail in the first year. 30% the second year, 50% in the fifth year. So, I mean, I think you're well on your way. It sounds to me like you're you're overcoming these. Would you talk a little bit about some of the challenges? And we can actually take that right into the, the discussion about dealing with the pandemic and, and the challenges you had with the pandemic. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's, this is why I was, you know, I was grateful to come on for a lot of reasons because I, you know, I, I think the world of you and I, the opportunity to talk to you is really great. And then just like, again, from kind of a selfish standpoint, it was something where it, it just gives me a pause to kind of reflect on some of these items. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, I guess from a pandemic standpoint, the, there was a lot of lessons that were sort of learned from that. So I specifically remember uh, in, let's say it was in March or so when the pandemic came to Maine um, and I just had a staff meeting and I had all my staff together and I, I set up a row of cones down the middle of the clinic. And I said, uh, you know, gee, this pandemic, we don't know what we didn't know. You know, there was no vaccinations. We didn't really know much about it. Um, if you think we should stay open you know, go to the left side. If you think we should close, go to the right side. And the more sure you are, you know, go further, go further away. So in other words, if you're kind of on the fence about it, stay near the, <laughs> stay near the line. But, you know, what, what do you pick? And, you know, to a person, um, there, it was really sort of, uh, nobody was sure. <laughs> some people pick stay open, some people pick stay closed, but we were all sort of near the middle. So I think, you know, initially what we did is we did decide to close figuring, you know, this will pass in a couple of weeks and the patients aren't coming in anyway because everyone's scared. Um, and I think what we learned really quickly is that even though balance feels like it's something that's elective, it is so foundational and so important. So just as sort of an anecdote, we had, I have a dear patient of mine who I had worked really hard on her balance. We stopped treatment because we decided to close for a few weeks. And then over that period of time, she unfortunately fell um, and had kind of a cascade of medical events, which changed her life as a result. Um, so you just make the best decisions you can at the time. But I think, you know, the challenge from a business standpoint with the pandemic at first was, um, you know, how do you even sort of respond and how important are your services? And I think it was a real reminder of how critical some of these things that we might consider being elective really really are. Um, and then I would say since then, from a business standpoint, we have really leaned into our safety precautions, you know, so we've prioritized all these things you hear about, you know, businesses doing vaccinating staff, we're wearing masks, we're wiping everything down, we've got a robust screening policy. And I think as a result, the pandemic has actually been, you know, it's been a terrible thing, but it's been okay for business because, People feel comfortable coming into a facility like ours because they really trust us that they're going to be safe here. Um, so there's been a whole you know variety of challenges, and I'm happy to dig into any one of them. But those are kind of my my the the, the main lessons I've learned uh, from a big picture standpoint. One of the and you obviously started uh, any business startup or any business in particular needs needs a good uh, business plan, and it sounds to me like you started with that with the vision you described and the 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 target uh, uh, 
the target of your business, which was uh, focused on on the balance and in uh, in the population that we're dealing with. It when you get into the pandemic part of things, have you after you've gotten through that first part of it, where everybody was in this ambiguous state and really there were so many unknowns, as you mentioned, has it leveled off so that regardless of the ups and downs of what we're hearing in in the news or seeing with the constant flow of variants and this and that, are, are you pretty much consistent now with what your your practices are regarding PPP and all, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't know if PPP is the right <laughs> acronym, but yeah, preventive, no, preventive yeah. measures, <clears throat> those sorts of things. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's been a really critical piece as we know how to do this now, you know? So, you know, in the beginning, you're developing all these new policies, which is a challenge as a small business because it's kind of me and the CDC's website and I'm calling 211 and, you know, I'm trying to sort of figure figure this out without sort of a team of people helping me because I'm the one at the top sort of making these decisions. And I think we are at a point where we have our policies. They're not fluid. They're pretty static, which gives everybody stability, both me as a business owner trying to make decisions. My staff know, you know, we've been through all these different scenarios and and we know sort of if this, then that. Uh, But it was, you know, really disruptive to have to um, recreate policy after policy, which I'm sure is something, you know, you could you could do a whole podcast probably, Rob, just on that in terms of how that would work. Um, but but some of that disruption has, for the moment, stopped. Although it still feels unstable, you know. I mean, it just the world still feels very unstable, but it has been steady um, for the last number of months. It, it certainly isn't, and it's there has been a lot of conflicting information, and I and I don't blame anybody at the national level on that. There is just one of those things as as this is developing and people are learning. We're bound to have some of that, so as as somebody that works in the human resource area and develops those types of policies, I can certainly relate to what you're going through uh, by you know a huge margin. It, it is a challenging time. Well, with with your let's shift a little bit to uh, the marketing piece of this. So, you know, new business, uh, perhaps in your previously when you were working for a, a different company, you didn't have to worry as much about the marketing piece. How do you deal with that? Do you have a marketing person as one of your staff members or do you deal with that uh, a lot uh, on your own? I do have a marketing person, but she's someone who is a talented um you know, website person and sort of social media. Um, But most of it comes from me. And one of the, you know, one of the things that I think I've done right is I've really tried to, um, you know, listen to people who've come before me. So as an example, there's an organization that the American Physical Therapy Association has for private practice owners. And I did a bunch of, you know, looking into what other practices are doing. And the, the thing that's really interesting in the market of physical therapy is, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, um, 70% of your referrals were coming directly from a physician. So your primary care physician or your orthopedic surgeon and your neurologist really says you have to go see this physical therapist. They're the best. And that was kind of how business works. So in order to sort of have the best business, you had to be the best at having relationships with the different physicians. Um, and what's changed is now 70% of people are coming 
for other reasons, uh, including location, are you convenient? And including things like word of mouth, like has their neighbor gone or does their friend have nice things to say? So there's been like this decentralization of power from the physician as the real gatekeeper to more sort of a community-based access. Um, so I developed the whole business to, you know, um, work off of that model. So, I mean, I guess as an example, one of the things we did really early on is we became embedded with the different community centers in the area, offering free balance educational classes where we talk about the different balance systems, how they change with aging and how to use exercise to sort of fix them. Um, and then we did free classes that continue to be ongoing as part of sort of our community outreach. Um, and that has been much more productive for us as opposed to, you know, taking an ad out in the paper or something like that. Um, and the other piece is we've really positioned ourselves as experts. So between continuing education that we've all taken, between hiring the right people that are sort of, you know, real experts in this area, uh, we've got a staff of really impressive uh, folks with some pretty incredible credentials. Um, and we're to the point now where, you know, we are the physical therapist that might run the lecture at the local UNE university for, you know, the physical therapist related to falls. Um, or the city of South Portland might consult with us about how to help their, you know, uh, community members with falls. So I guess what I'm saying is we've really positioned ourselves as experts and then donated that expertise to the community. Um, and that's been our formula. Um, which works really well in the current environment as opposed to maybe what the lay of the land was 15 years ago. Oh, that's, that's great to hear. And as I was researching for this, the podcast, I was, I was looking at an article that talked about understanding the marketing roles and they talked about an internal marketing person and external marketing. And it sounds like the way you just described your marketing efforts, it's that it's a combination of, of both, where you're you're reaching out into the public, you're you're doing your own internal uh, internal marketing. Whether it's uh, one of the things they they suggested, I don't know if you do this or not, was dear doctor letters uh, that uh, might go out to or question and answer sorts of things that go out to the public. But it was pretty interesting to read about the various types of marketing that physical therapy businesses are doing. Uh, sounds yeah. like you've got a good handle on that. I think you've. We, yeah, I think I, I think it's something we've been, you know, really mindful of. And I think, you know, the physicians are still really critical and having a nice relationship with them is critical as well. And I think one of the approaches that we've taken is not sort of just writing like a generalized letter about, hey, you know, don't forget about us and make sure to send your patients to us, but really kind of trying to be uh, data driven in terms of sort of the outcomes that we can show. So as an example, anyone who comes through our clinic, we typically take them through a core set of six tests. Um, and then we've got some different spreadsheet type uh, software that we can put those tests uh, into. And then each month we kind of redo the tests and put the data in. And at the end of it, it can sort of spit out a graph and it says, hey, listen, you know, Mrs. So-and-so has been to the, the balance center eight times. Her, you know, balance scores were here. They're now here. Um, and sending kind of an individualized letter to the doctor sort of, you know, ticks two boxes, which I think is really the heart of what I'm after from a marketing standpoint where, you know, you're doing something that's really helping somebody, you know, so whether it's on a community level or on an individual level, you've taken a minute to communicate, um, you know, with their physician in this particular example. Um, and you're also at that same time, the physician is looking at that and saying, hey, I think I think these guys know what they're talking about because look at these outcomes. And at the end of the day, 
you know, physicians and healthcare people, a lot of them are wired like scientists <laughs> uh, and they like the data as do I. Um, so that's been sort of how we've, you know, tried to find better ways to do some of the traditional type things. And I, I think the use of data nowadays is probably uh, much more prevalent and much more impactful than maybe the, the attempts to, to do it previously, or even if it had been done uh, previously in, in years years past. The your story itself, I mean, is a great marketing tool. When when you talk about uh, at the beginning, we talked about the niche that you have here in in how you set up the company. That's a great. I think that's a great story in itself. You know how balance, uh, balance and, and the need for balance uh, therapy, particularly in an aging population. So I I, I just uh, that that fits fits great, and it uh, it li- kind of the the transition from uh, therapist to business owner. It has to have its challenge itself. You you love obviously you love physical therapy. You probably love. Uh, as much as anybody who loved doing the actual job. But what about transitioning from the CEO mindset first to therapist second? Has that been a challenge for you? You know, it's it's been something that I've been sort of looking forward to. So, you know, I my identity, you know, is as a clinician. And there's a clear divide between someone who's sort of in a management position and seeing less patients versus a clinician who's kind of the real deal. They're doing it all day long. Um, and there is sort of a sense of, you know, <laughs> I guess loss moving from one to the other. Um, but I, you know, I think the, the excitement related to sort of this niche that we're filling has been, you know, has filled my cup, so to speak, in that, um, you know, it's been something that I've really coveted and enjoyed and look forward to. Um, And I think, you know, some of the challenges are just sort of learning because I am a healthcare provider. And now I, my main role is as a business owner growing, you know, a business. Um, And I've got certain strengths and weaknesses related to my history that I've got to sort of work through as I lead a business because last year I was a full-time healthcare provider, you know? <laughs> That's right. It's, it's gotta be a, a, you know, a transition, a challenging transition to some extent. It, no, no doubt, but it's a, you know, the, the, the excitement um, and the interest and sort of the passion is there. So that makes it, um, that makes the journey and the adventure uh, worthwhile. Well, it, it, and that's uh, <laughs> your father-in-law and I speak about that, he mentioned it in his podcast. It, it passion. You clearly have passion for this business and for the profession, and, and that certainly makes a huge difference. What kind of leader do you, would you describe you yourself as? What sort of uh, traits, characteristics would you describe yourself as a leader? Yeah, this was one of those questions that was fun to reflect on a little bit, you know, because it's not something I actively think about. Um, but you know, the best I could come up with is that I think, I think I'm a similar leader to what I am as a friend. And I, you know, I don't mean to get that confused in terms of, I'm not sort of, you know, everybody's friend. I think it's pretty clear what our different roles are. Um, but as a friend, you know, I think my friends would attest that I, you know, um, I might not always have sort of the best stories or I might not have the most to say. Um, but when someone really needs something, you know, you can really, count on me. Like I'm going to be there, you know, physically, emotionally, whatever, whatever sort of adventures life brings to us as friends and family. 
Um, and I think from a leadership standpoint, I think I think I'm kind of similarly wired where, you know, I don't always have the most to say. I'm not interested in sort of being the flashiest, you know, piece, but you can really count on me. So whether it's um, driving the business through a pandemic or being there when someone's having an HR crisis, um, you know, those are sort of, uh, you know, strengths of mine, I think. And I think the 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 other way that I'm sort of wired is, you know, I think probably a lot of businesses do this, but I, I tend to be pretty conservative. So, you know, for example, with with the current model that's working, I want to stick with what's, you know, working and really, you know, keep that piece foundational to our success moving forward. Um, you know, I just had a staff meeting today and I had a <laughs> a Patriot sweatshirt that I cut the 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 arms off of, you know, uh, imitating <laughs> Bill Belichick saying, let's stick with the, uh, you know, let's stick with the the fundamentals here so that we can continue to sort of dabble in these really exciting other adventures that we're having, uh, because there's so many exciting things going on at the balance center that we've got to sort of remember to, you know, we got to keep the schedule full and we've got to keep producing. So I think what I'm getting to is, you know, I'm sort of conservative, but then when my moments arrive, um, I'm not afraid to sort of take a, a reasonable risk to sort of take the next steps, you know, something like opening more clinics. And I'm, um, I'm so guessing, I've got a lot to learn, but well, <laughs> we, and I think we we all we all continue to learn as leaders, whatever role we're in, and and that was kind of leading to my my follow up here is what what have you learned uh, about yourself it, it, since you started the business and since you become the leader. Yeah, I think, you know, at first there was sort of a bit of, you know, I've heard like when we train new students, they use the term imposter syndrome where you're doing something and you're saying, holy cow, I can't believe I'm doing this. Am I doing doing the right things and on and on again? Um, so I think I think I've learned that, you know, I can do it. You know, I really have the confidence that, you know, build something successful and that will continue to be successful here in the future. Um, and I think certain things that are not as natural to me are, you know, things that I've had to learn about as well. So for example, if I'm in a business negotiation about, um, you know, my lease with a really shrewd, big business person landlord, um, for me, it took me a minute to learn, you know, I may not be quite as quick on my feet getting my terms met, but if I just kind of take a time out and, um, you know, go back to my mentors and sort of chew on something that I can make a really good decision. So I guess I've kind of learned where my strengths are and been able to lean into them. And it's also highlighted some things that, you know, need work. And I've tried to, you know, sort of compensate for them, whether it's kind of taking the time out uh, in that example. And it's uh, it's clearly, clearly working, Jason, in, in the right way. Uh, the a company is only good as its people, its staff. We all know that. I think uh, have, having worked in business you mentioned you have eleven uh, full-time staff right now, seven support, or seven uh, physical therapists, seven support staff. What are you looking for, and how do you find talent? Yeah, so this is something that I've really intentionally spent a lot of time thinking about. So, um, and we've been really successful with it. So, for example, we were just hiring for a um, a receptionist position. And despite how difficult the, you know, the job market is in terms of people competing for folks for that level position, um, within a few days, I had 40 applicants and I had to kind of pause the job um, and sort of figure out, you know, how am I going to figure out between all these qualified people who to pick? So I think I think the piece that I've really leaned into is it's in our DNA to 
try to build a healthcare entity that works for people. So on the patient side of things, you know, we're spending one-on-one time with people and we're really intentionally trying to have a place where people feel cared for and safe. You know, when was the last time you spent 40 minutes of one-on-one time with a healthcare professional? Well, that, you know, that's kind of what we'll do here. Uh, and from a staff standpoint, I'm trying to, I'm kind of taking the same approach where, um, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to diversify people's roles so that they have opportunity to teach if they want to teach or that there's promotion opportunities for them. Um, so I think what I'm trying to get to is the secret sauce for us has been building a business that's really doing special work. So people who are here feel like they're a part of something special um, because I think they are. Um, and then being really mindful from a management standpoint that, um, you know, to meet people's needs. So things like, you know, four day work weeks or being really generous when someone has, you know, certain things come up in their personal life. So that combination sort of leads me to look for people that are really kind, (laughs) that they're really authentic, like they really want to do this type of uh, work. And I think just the DNA of the business as being something that's growing, there's promotion opportunity, and you can do work that you feel really proud of has allowed me to just kind of use traditional methods, um, but be able to recruit people pretty successfully. And that, uh, in this day and age, having having a secret sauce, and it sounds like you've mastered that, is is so critical because the the challenge of attracting and maintaining employees at any level at any business now is a real uh, art to, uh, for sure. It has become so competitive. People are looking for so many different things than maybe they were years ago. And it certainly seems that you've uh, created a balance and, and a great approach to to bringing people into your, your organization. Well, yeah, speaking thanks. of balance, uh, how do you maintain a work-life balance? Oh, <laughs> you've got, you've got two, two young girls, wonderful wife. You've, you're, you're busy, busy lives. How do you, you're growing a business. How do you maintain that balance? What do you do to, to maintain that? Yeah. I mean, it's a real, it's truly a challenge and there's been moments when it's not balanced at all. So the truth is um, I don't always maintain it. You know, I mean, starting starting out, I kept a full-time job. You know, I'd work three 12-hour shifts. And then the other four days of the week, I'd open up the balance center and I wouldn't take a, you know, I wouldn't take a salary and I would check people in and I'd clean the bathrooms and I'd send the billing out and sort of do it all. So, you know, there's been moments along the way where the balance has been, you know, an absolute loss. <laughs> and I think, I think what I've, you know, sort of come up with now is, you know, just kind of coming up with some firmer boundaries in terms of, um, you know, there's certain things I really covet in my day with my family. So, you know, even if I'm working 12 hours in a day, can I make sure to be there for breakfast and dinner? Um, and you also mentioned my wife, um, gosh, you know, uh, I picked the perfect partner to take this endeavor under because she's someone that, you know, can can help me think through business problems, but also gives me a break when I, you know, really need to attend to something. So for me, I've done all sorts of things, but I think just kind of finding certain places that's family time that I just kind of don't creep into. I've picked up a hobby here and there. Uh, I dabbled in meditation for a while, and the truth is, it's a work in progress. <laughs> and and I know you play the piano. Do you get to play? Do you do you play much? Do you? So I haven't carved out enough time to play. But you know what? I've uh, my daughter Ava, who's six, she takes piano lessons, um, and you know we practice. Her attention spans about ten minutes. <laughs> but I'll tell you, for that half hour piano lesson, when she's really putting some music together, and I can kind of, you know, how music just sort of 
you know, plays in your body a yes. little bit. It kind of hits certain things. Um, you know, that's, that's sort of been, uh, more of my time has been enjoying her doing it. Um, but I do play every once in a while. Oh, that's, that's great. It, it's, it's so important again, doing some research as I did some research for this podcast. One of the things that they talked about was particularly starting a new uh, business in this field is, is that work-life balance. And it sounds like you're, you're figuring that out. Obviously it, it whenever anybody's starting a new business, it's going to take an enormous amount of time and effort and, and you've uh, you've uh, certainly been managing to get through that. Well, just a couple questions left, uh, Jason. I, again, I appreciate you taking the time today. One one of the things I just wanted to somebody getting into this business, I wanted to find out what kind of advice would you have them? Uh, what would you give them uh, if they're starting their own business or just uh, or or something similar to what you're doing? Yeah, I think you know. I think the. the to just kind of, I hate to sort of, you know, um, repeat the same, you know, pieces, but I did, you know, I listened to, to John Reed, the CEO of Maine Savings and my, my father-in-law, I listened to his podcast and, you know, I couldn't agree more about the passion, uh, piece, um, in that, you know, the, the, you know, it's something that's it's kind of a real part of my life on a day to day moment, um, so, you know, I would just kind of make sure it's something that you really enjoy spending your time, uh, doing, uh, and, you know, I'm not sure I'm totally qualified to sort of decide what type of personal traits or advice I might give, because I think, you know, sometimes I think the way that I'm wired is just perfect for someone, you know, running a business. And in other ways, I think someone might be better off if they had other qualities. So I think, you know, the one thing I'm sure of, is it is such an effort and it's such a thread of your life, uh, not only your work life, but your personal life, that if it's something that's really you feel passionate about and it really gives you your life some meaning, um, then, you know, uh, that's about the, the all I figured out at this point in terms of, you know, uh, the, what I might just kind of confirm before you take the leap. Well, I think because everything's tied up in it. <laughs> it, it. It sure is. And I think passion, it, we always say at work that if you're not passionate, passionate about what you're doing, then that's okay. But just do something else and see if you can find something else to be passionate about. It, there's there's nothing wrong with not being passionate about what you're doing, but you should find something that you you want to be passionate about because you spend a lot of time at work uh, doing sure. doing the, the job. So, well, I... This, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. This was sort of a... I might be getting out of my lane a little bit in the sort of the theoretical space, but I, you know, I've heard it... I've heard it said, I don't know who to attribute the quote to, that, you know, life is really beautiful. There's so many beautiful spots of it, but there is some suffering <laughs> involved in it. It's not always easy, but if you're, you know, if you're suffering for something that, you know, you believe in and, and, and you're doing something special with that, um, it's hard to argue with sort of that logic, you know? <laughs> oh, that's a great way to put it. Just, just because you're passionate about something and it certainly doesn't mean it's going to be easy at all times, but it makes it, it makes it easier to get through those those very tough times and challenging times mm. that uh, we all have. Well said. Well said. Well, the future of uh, Main Strong Balance Center, let's just uh, remind uh, our listeners. So the main office is in Scarborough. Do you have an address right off the top of your head? For- yeah, we're at uh, 400 Enterprise Drive in Scarborough. 400 Enterprise. And we have, uh, you have some new locations coming in Saco and South Portland? Correct. Yep. And it, uh, is that going to, you're going to grow uh, your personnel numbers or will you spread out from where you are? Yeah, we're hoping to be, you know, we've been so, you know, not, we've been so 
busy and our wait list has been so long that we just haven't been able to service people who are interested in coming in. Um, so the Saco location will essentially double the Scarborough location and then the South Portland location would be about half the size. So um, by next year, we should be more than double the size, which will require more than double the staff. So that's the this is a big leap for us um, in the, you know, everything's right th out there in front of us. And I'm looking forward to sort of connecting the dots for more people, you know, with what we can do for them. That is just outstanding. It's outstanding for you. It's outstanding for your family. It's outstanding for the state of Maine and the communities you serve because uh, it, it's all about helping people. And and certainly this this business does that. I, I have the utmost respect for, for you, Jason, and, and Emily and the family. And just like I said to my my son, Bobby, to, for someone who spent his career in the military, then in another career, I'm not wired to start my own business. <laughs> so I really admire people uh, like yourself who are really, really smart and, but most importantly, have the courage and the strength to, to, to take a vision and move forward with it and, and uh, see the, the success coming. And as you said, you, you're, you're still growing. You have a long way to go from to where you want to be, but uh, you're, you're right on track. And, and uh, I really applaud you for that. I really appreciate you saying that. You know, I think one of the one of the things is sometimes it can be, um, you know, you're, not everyone always can sort of see, you know, what it's taking to do that. Besides maybe your immediate family or your employees, um, and it's really nice to be recognized in that way. And I felt uh, I feel seen by you, and I really appreciate um, I appreciate the kindness and the compliments. And um, you know, one of the one of the greatest sort of reasons or one of the, the the smartest sort of decisions I've made is sort of surrounding myself with people who, um, you know, I can really look up to as well. And you're, you're on that list of um, folks that um, I'm lucky to sort of be around that I think are a big part of helping me make these different decisions to, uh, to do something like this. Well, thank you for that. And I think uh, maybe we can get you back here in the future and, and, and maybe talk a little bit more of the medical side of, of things and, and dig a little deeper into specifically what, goes on in, in the physical therapy part of the business. Love to have you back. For sure. We'd love to uh, do that. And there's some really innovative, exciting things in the balance space that I think would be um, interesting from all sorts of perspectives. So I'm happy to, happy to do that anytime. Awesome. We'll do that. Well, this has been another Mainly Matters business podcast with Dr. Jason Adore with the Main Strong Balance Center. And I hope you'll go visit him if you're in the area. And, uh, and see what they have to offer. I look forward to talking with everybody again soon. Thank you.